Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the Cuba and Focus podcast. Since there's still no UK competitions at the moment because lockdown has been extended in the UK, I'm going to continue with this uh, interview style podcast for well the next next few weeks at least until we get competitions back. So last week we had Felix Zemdex and I also hosted a twenty-five dollar gift card giveaway to thecubicle.com. Uh, I got like thirty something entrants and I randomly picked one of uh, one of those and the winner is Jason Alonso. Well that's what it says in his email. I have emailed you, so um, check your spam if you if you haven't because it could be in there because it seems like a very dodgy email. Right, so in this episode, uh, we've got Patrick Ponce. Hey. So Patrick Ponce, he's been cubing for eight years, and his most notable achievements are his former three by three single world record of four point six nine, and he's the current U.S. national champion. Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> so let's just uh, let's just go back to twenty twelve when you first started cubing. So uh, what got you into that? Right, so I want to say six months before I actually learned how to solve in the whole thing, I bought a cube at like just some auction, like uh, not an auction, like a yard sale or something, and someone yeah. had a cube, and I was really interested. Yeah. And, you know, I was really scared about scrambling it, and then <laughs> <laughs> when I like go to sleep or something, the next day I like the cubes completely scrambled, like one of my siblings just completely messed it up. And I was like, wow, all right, now I guess I have to learn how to solve this. But then I just did it. And then Christmas came around and I had these cousins come over and one of them knew how to do it. And that was like mind blowing. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. like yeah, a, few month, a few weeks after that, I knew how to solve it. And I was just hooked ever since. <laughs> Pretty cool. So uh, how long was it between when you first learned how to solve it and your first competition? Um... So I started in February and then September, so about seven months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like uh, I was very quick to competing. I learned how to solve it at June 2014 and I competed in October. So it was only you know, a few months for me. What were you averaging by the time you competed? Um, My first competition, I was sub 30. Okay. Yeah. yeah I was, I was yeah. the same. I like, like I said, I was hooked. So just yeah. like going on the internet. I was also like when I learned how to solve, I was nine, and then I turned ten. Yeah. So I was like ten years old. Like it was, it was my, it was the greatest thing. <laughs> <laughs> like I actually like already knew full CFOP by my first comp, despite. Oh wow. Being really slow. Yeah, I was I was still using like the uh, corners and then edges separately for F two L, at my <laughs> first competition. I used that one until I averaged like 25. <laughs> yeah. So out of curiosity, what was your 3x3 three three main at your first competition? Um, It was a Zanshi. Ooh, yeah, it was a Diane Zanshi. Interesting. But the, the funny thing is that before that competition, I had been using a Rubik's brand, just a modified oh, wow. Rubik's brand for like ever. And then at that competition, they were vending and I, I bought a Zanshi and like five minutes later I went up and competed with it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it was a like Zanshi compared to Rubik's round, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
it's a tad bit better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, your main event at the moment is three by three. Um, what yeah. other what other events have you mained over your human career? Has so it always been three by three? When I first like really started getting fast or just better, I really liked four by four, and I thought four by four was gonna be it, and I was gonna beat Sebastian Weyer, and it would be that whole <laughs> thing. But uh, didn't really turn out that way. Yeah. Uh, four by four was like the first time I podiumed in, so that's okay. why you know I was, really, I was really interested in it. Yeah. And then three by three kind of just took over. I really only competed in three by three and four by four competitively like two years and then i got into like one-handed picked up a little five by five here and there yeah. but uh right now I, I i do those four events three by three four four oh and five by five yeah yeah and that's just what i focus on yeah fair enough so um how long was it between your first competition and when you got your first podium um it was December of, of 2013, so a year and about three months. Okay, yeah, I think that's similar to me. I think I was about a year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was, you know, it was pretty lucky, I want to say. <laughs> like, was it, was it in a... three by Oh, no, you said it was four by four, didn't you? Yeah, it was four by four, but it was in December, and there was a huge snowstorm the day before the competition. <laughs> Because of that, like, I think Roe Hessler and, like, some other fast people didn't go, and that's why I was able to get a podium. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty handy. Such a, such a life. And, you know, that, that really motivated me. So imagine if, if it weren't a snowstorm or something like that, maybe I just got demotivated and stopped feeling or something. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the snowstorm, man. Yes. So, but you're... Yeah obviously well known in the cuban community and i think one of the main things people know you for is the guy who after he was extremely fast at three by three decided to make the switch to color neutral so yeah. what what made you decide uh to do the switch yeah so the switch was because of worlds 2017 yeah i uh i was really not impressed with my three by three performance and you know before i would care about um try to pick apart my solves you know try to like see if my f2l thing was like okay or anything like that but then i just realized you know like the really fast people you know at the time max felix you know actually that hasn't really changed much has it yeah like the really tough leaders, the really highest echelon they're all color neutral and i also yeah. saw that from Hyknam and his success yeah. So I, I just realized what I had to do and went along with it. So were you white only before you... Oh, no, you were green-blue, right? Yeah, I was green-blue. Green-blue, okay. So how long do you think it took you to get from uh, back to your average after you switched? It took me three weeks. after. Three weeks? Jeez. Yeah. Were you just yeah. completely grinding souls that entire time? Yeah, I just... I had my goal in mind and I didn't stop until I got it. Fair enough. That, that, that is impressive. World, yeah, the week after Worlds is uh, what I call Hell Week. <laughs> which is like a US, a US Army term. But like, entire week I did eight hours a day. Jeez. 
great color neutral practice and that's dedication that's like yeah that's what i'm known for just like brute forcing it yeah and then if you look at the timetable so i had uh, a mid-july so i had about a month and a half i didn't go to any competitions in august and then the first week of September, I went to my first competition after switching to neutral, and that was the competition that I got the world record single. So. Oh wow! What color was the world record on? A uh, yellow. Oh okay. By yeah. Wow. So, so you wouldn't have you know, got that like, if you didn't switch. It took me a month and a half, but I would, I I think it was around three weeks to fully transition and. One week, like if you consider like hell week to be to like the beginning, I I had already done it, right? Yeah, and you saw pretty immediate results as well. So obviously you got your world record single and PR average at that first competition back, and then your next competition you got a six point five average as well. Yeah, I so, mean it was I, like it could also be like chalked down to twenty seventeen being a good year, but yeah, <laughs> color neutral. Especially now and in, in later years, it's just like shown to have to have definitely paid itself. Well, apart from Worlds twenty nineteen, that is pole oh, yeah. podium yeah. being white only. Oh yeah, only like one color, right? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So after you got back to your average with color neutral, how soon did you start to see like lots of improvement? Um. I don't know. I, I like sometimes get, I don't really focus on, on long-term improvement. Yeah. So to speak, it's like, uh, I try to just like day by day, just solve and maintain, maintain, uh, the skill. So like yeah. over long periods of time, you can see like the shift, the decrease in time. But me personally, I don't really see that. It just seems like a normal day, you know? And like, yeah. I don't like, I'm like a bit blind to the change. But um, I really remember looking at my, you know, the the cubing cubing China has this tool where it lets you see your year summarized. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I really, I really like that. That was like a really eye-opening moment to see the times that I had brought down and such. Yeah, yeah. Cubing China has some really cool stuff with the stats they do. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> But uh, I don't know, I'm trying to like slowly use their site more, but you know, yeah. I guess now with no competitions, I guess that won't be happening. Yeah. So since, uh, since you've been pretty fast for a long time for 3 by 3 you've obviously had a lot of experience with uh, competing in like major championship head-to-head -head finals. Like what's, what's that been like? How, how do you help cope with your nerves in those situations? Uh, it's, it's, uh... <laughs> There is no, there is no one way to do it. I don't, I think of every single head to head final I've ever been in, I've done something different. Yeah. To, uh, whether it's, you know, take a really long pauses or take a really long time to warm up, have my hands down on the timer for a really long time, deep breaths, music, everything. <laughs> but, uh. I think the biggest thing for nerves is like it's all in your mind like you have yeah. to you have to get yourself into that state and just be in the flow yeah there's, there's no one way to like get in there but 
I guess with time and you know like as you like it's gonna sound a bit cliche but like as you go through life and experiences just just help you yeah convert that to yeah yeah because um since yeah when you won cubing usa champion uh, nationals last year like you'd been in what uh one other nats finals or two i'm not sure uh and three three, three yeah. so three other nats finals and oh, yeah, yeah two worlds finals as well as well as warm-up sydney head-to-head finals so you had a lot of experience because i yeah, feel like yeah. lots of cubers the first time they get for a head to a head-to-head final they'll expect to compete uh handle it normally and then they just mess up but well, i've definitely had my fair fair share of uh messing oh, yeah, up that, head-to-head finals that definitely happened to me as well yeah, yeah i don't pretty... know i'm i'm pretty like inconsistent like i think it, that's just like what most people would agree on in terms of my results in high pressure situations yeah but you know luckily i've had or i would like to say that i've had more good ones than bad ones yeah yeah <laughs> so um have you had lots of extra time recently to practice with uh, lockdown and everything oh yeah a lot <laughs> is there anything um... specific you've been trying to work on or just doing lots of souls yeah, so I've really just started to learn more algorithms. I've been really yeah. lazy, really lazy over the years to just like <laughs> and everything. Yeah. So now I'm trying to become a little bit more disciplined, get those algs down, get them yeah. in my muscle memory and stuff. I've also been just doing a lot of you know, side cubing work. Like, uh, um, like I recently did an interview with Philip Lewicki on code yeah. neutrality and stuff like that. I've been, you know, studying a bit of cube theory, like doing some solve analysis. I've actually been working a lot with uh, with coaching. I just started doing that about two week, two and a half weeks ago. And yeah, it's you know, it's it's been a lot of uh, been a lot of like figuring things out, and it's been a lot of fun actually. So, yeah, yeah, that's cool. So. But a cubicle academy signed up for my coaching series. <laughs> yeah, I just I just <laughs> saw that launched. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. I think mean, Jay's got um got some competition now. Oh yeah. It's definitely picked up a lot. Oh, like yeah, I, I think it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like when when I started cubing, this like something like that definitely didn't exist, and like everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone just learned on the internet and speed solving forums and Facebook groups. Like, I think it's crazy that we've even gotten to this point, to be honest. Yeah, like, I, I didn't really use, like, I, I wasn't on Facebook when I first started competing, so I don't really know about all of the Facebook groups and stuff. So I, I did most of my, like, learning on my own. I mean, obviously, I used YouTube, but I didn't have anybody, I didn't ask anybody, oh, uh, what should I practice now? I'm uh sub x y uh i'm i'm stuck what do i do i just kind of figured it out i guess that's the same thing for me actually i guess that's one of the reasons why i um didn't learn f to well until i averaged like 25 because after my Uh, first competition people were like oh why don't you use f to well i'm like oh yeah i guess i should switch so uh, i i uh i only made my facebook profile 
like in 2015. So I'd already been cubing for three and a half years. So yeah, like, I feel like that's yeah, defi- that, that would have been, been really useful. Yeah, I feel like there's definitely advantages and disadvantages to like working on your own because you kind of get to understand what you're doing more when you do it on your own. But like obviously, there's stuff you don't know about and other people's tips can definitely help so yeah definitely. you got to have a good balance because you see you go onto facebook groups like what is it three by three speed cubers and stuff like that and there's just people averaging 20 30 seconds just like oh what do i learn now and it's like at that stage i was just figuring it out myself i didn't really ask for tips until i was sub 10. yeah yeah i mean it just depends on the cuber. I don't think I ever directly went to anyone and asked for anything. I kind of just found the resources and watched a lot of solves, whether it was walkthrough solves or solves of fast people. Yeah. Just try to incorporate everything and get the best balance for for my own solving. But yeah. uh, but yeah, I think I think there's a big benefit to learning things on your own. You just Definitely, get more of a mastery yeah. in the cube and stuff but for certain things you know like specific finger tricks certain algorithms you can't really figure that stuff out on your own you need you need that community outreach definitely yeah. you know, working with other people so since you've been like sub 10 let's say for free by free uh what things that you've learned or implemented into yourselves has like helped helped you the most like you've seen significant increases uh decreases in time well, apart from color neutral, that is. Uh, um, I think the biggest thing for me was ZBLL. I have to say. Oh. Just, or I guess before ZBLL comes COLL. Yeah. Because, like I said, I already knew full CFOP for a really long time. Yeah. And, you know. If I got like a bad PLO or whatever, my finger tricks were terrible, by the way. <laughs> like, because I had, didn't have anyone to tell me that they were bad or anything. My videos weren't on the internet for many years. So, like, yeah. having COL, getting a higher, just a high rate of getting a nicer PLO really dropped down at times. Yeah. And I guess as I got better, that also applied to when I learned ZBLL because. I'm just one of those cubers that I have a really, really fast, like I, I, I recognize OLL really quickly. Yeah. And then recognize PLL not so quickly. Like if you compare my PLL recognition to like Max, Max Park or Philip Vire, it's just, it's just not to par. So yeah. I think ZBLL really helps me because I can recognize it way faster and execute it as such. Yeah. Yeah, which is also like a big motivation to uh finally wrapping it up <laughs> <laughs> how many cases do you know at the moment i know about 200 cases oh geez i'm trying to is that just like everything just... apart from like soon and anti soon or no soon and i think it's like 350 or something like that but i'm really just trying to learn the ut and l sets right now yeah yeah i've been trying i, I know a lot of them but uh just completely finalizing all of them yeah, I've been trying to learn a U recently, but I'm extremely le- uh, slow at implementing algs. And oh yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I've been using the best site ever. It's 
very good for learning and implementing yeah. cases. Yeah, I've been using AlgDB and and uh, Anthony Brooks's PDF. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've I like, just been using like AlgDB and then just drilling them on best site ever. Yeah. yeah it's it's definitely like again again with the resources. It's like this stuff did not exist when I when I started cubing. Yeah. I remember, like, I learned all my PLLs and OLLs from uh, a site called CubeWiz, which is... Was that Bob Burton? Yeah, that's that's where I learned all mine yeah. from as well. Oh, we're quite similar, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, ZBLL was, like, docs with, like, every single ZBLL algorithm. Like, they existed, but they were, like, probably... They were terrible. They were, like... The move optimal. Yeah, it's like two people who knew full ZBLL. <laughs> yeah. And like nobody thought it was viable at all. Yeah. yeah. I I think I I found that the thing that improved my time the most was implementing like cross plus one into like all of my solves. Like I've been yeah. able to do it occasionally for a while, but I mean I can do it probably ninety five percent of the time now, and it's definitely. It definitely got me from like high eight to low eight, sub eight. So were you like one of those people that would take like a really short time to inspect and just start the solve? Probably. Like, well, but especially when I, when I, in my first couple of years of competing, maybe not so much recently, but I use, uh, I, I've used 12 seconds of inspection most solves nowadays. Oh, wow. That's, that's quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely try yeah. and make the um, most of it now. Longest time, like four and a half years into cubing, I I was one of those people that just you know picked up the cube. I, I only did two crosses, mind you. So. Yeah, yes, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, I just saw like the pattern and just just started the solve immediately. And you know, I got I I had a seven average and like five point eight single, but yeah, it was actually. Jabari Nuruddin, who told me, "Hey, you should should uh, look for first pair, man. Like, stop doing that. You'll be so much faster." Yeah, yeah, I've definitely. He, he, he was like one of those cubing friends that I like really learned a lot from, and we like race each other all the time. So I took his word for it, changed it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I definitely had a lot of people telling me to use more inspection, like back when I first started. Uh, cubing in like 2015 2016 yeah i mean it, it's 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 useful information like yeah. <laughs> i think there's not a single cuber who hasn't like like they saw the exact same way they did at 15 seconds and at how they do at seven seconds it's just it's just not how it goes and the improvements and, and change them change your solving style yeah definitely so I, I brought up the Red Bull competitions with Felix last week as well, but just wanted to hear your thoughts on the whole deal since you, you competed in 2019, but not 2018, right? I, um, I think Red Bull is great. Like I, like, I have no other way to put it. I think it's a wonderful opportunity yeah. for, for Cuban as a as a whatever you want to call it a sport or a very good hobby or something like that or competitive hobby rather uh i think wca is really focused on community and expanding and trying to get as many people to learn about the cube and 
meet other people that do the same thing as they do. Whereas Red Bull is more concerned about the highest tier of Cuba, like the fastest people and getting them all together at one event, yeah. streaming it so that people who don't know about Cubian can see it and be more exposed to it. And if we really want to like push this community in terms of a competitive level to as high as it can, I think we need really need to take opportunity with things like Red Bull. Definitely. I think it's yeah. important that like Red Bull and WCA stay separate because they're both like completely different styles of competing, but they're both like completely necessary as well. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's a good idea for them to to be on good terms with each other. Definitely, and have yeah. But um, yeah, the, there's there's wonderful things and bad things about both of them. Yeah. Um, but I think all in all, that what you just described, like the perfect uh, sort of teamwork with both of them, would be just the best thing for giving, as yeah. it as it currently. Stands. You know, like maybe there can be like the term professional speedcuber has been thrown around for many years, but I think <laughs> now more than ever, there are definitely people out there that can call themselves that. And it's thanks to these sort of big media um, appearances and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. I, yeah. Faz and I talked about uh, when he like full on speedcubed for a couple of uh, like a year or so, but it's just, it's really interesting how even him, the, the best beekeeper in the world, he's it's not his main is not his main job or his main career. Right. But like obviously it could yeah, be, I mean, but he's he's chosen he's chosen that it's not his main career, but he's still the best at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's also fair to realize that Felix is extremely talented. That's yeah. done. A guy improved like really quickly and like just had mastery of the cube within yeah i would like a couple months of starting so like the guy is phenomenal and yeah no i think that that carries in terms of not having to to sort of practice as much to as compared to some of the competition and that's not to say that felix doesn't practice a lot because i know the guy can nerd out sometimes but uh, <laughs> <laughs> i think that's like a reason why you know, someone like Felix wouldn't be too concerned with putting tons of effort into cubing. But he definitely yeah. has in the past. Yeah. So, when you first started competing, was there anybody you, like, idolized or wanted to be as good as or looked up to? I pretty much looked up to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I was on the internet learning about everything. So, exposure to cubing, like... If you were a cuber, I just like idolize you in some way or another. I would find something about you that I really enjoyed. So like my first competition was in New Jersey where I live and the delegate is was Bob Burton and I use Bob Burton's website. So like just immediately there, like, oh my god, Bob Burton is like the best. And then I got super early to the competition and he was the delegate, so he was walking in with all the timers and displays, and I was like, oh my god, that's Bob Burton, and I was like, <laughs> freaking out. <laughs> and then at my comp, my first competition, uh, there were some really big names, actually. I was lucky enough to like, just be living in an area that's really dense and cubing. So, 
names like Andrew Ricci, Luca Sato, uh, Kevin Cusello III. All those people were at my first competition. Yeah. And to just see them and to see them being so damn good when I was like only queuing for seven months, that, uh, that definitely like attached me more to the community for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I liked I liked everyone. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just liked queuing. I don't I don't know what it was, but it's just like the first time I solved the queue, I just yeah, it was something I couldn't couldn't stop thinking about. I remember my my first competition. Oliver Frost was at his peak for big blind, and I watched him get. I think it was a five blind world record. No, maybe four blind world record. I don't know. I just seeing a world record was just so crazy. And it, yeah, made made me fall in love with the hobby. Yeah, I could only imagine how I would have felt if there was a world record in my first competition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, really? I think it's, I think it's like definitely moments that we feel when we're first exposed to the community that'll sort of affect how we go into cubing. Yeah, definitely. Later on, yeah. it was super crazy. So the the venue for my first competition, Cuffbutts Open 2014. It was literally just just area, uh, like probably I don't know, thirty meters by twenty meters or whatever, just in the middle of a shopping center or mall, you'd call it. Oh yeah, I'm familiar with the the Cuthbert's menu. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So he he got like big blind world records when there's literally like screaming kids and everything. Yeah. it's quite handy though because it means you don't have to stay quiet for uh, blind. <laughs> right. Well, I mean. Ali Frost was a monster in his, in his prime, for sure. Yeah, definitely. He actually posted a free blind, a 26 free blind Mina free today. Really? Yeah. He's still, he's still going. Yeah, he's still that. going. Uh, he must have got bored. <laughs> but yeah I, yeah, I definitely remember seeing him when I, when I was maybe like a year into cubing and just like seeing him set world records on YouTube and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's a super nice guy as well. Uh, I've never met him. Maybe uh. I'll meet him. <laughs> so, I asked this question to Faz as well. But, um, I I'm assuming your your favourite record or or personal record or whatever for, uh, in your Cuban career is your 469. Uh, incorrect. Incorrect? Oh, okay. <laughs> interesting yeah um it's a great solve i like it you know i did some nice first pair stuff and i got a nice um brooks last layer case into yeah. an ll skip but um it, cubing sort of thing that i've done is my 9.50 uh one-handed average at world championships oh yeah that that was good that was good to watch uh, i had been tracing down sub like 10.5 for the last six months and yeah. that was my first time doing it <laughs> like i dropped my, my personal record by by one second that is crazy i just missed out on getting the world record and i really like that because so the first two solves were like nine seconds and then the third one was seven yeah and then the fourth one was a 10 and See. so I knew I'd, I just needed a, a really decent last solve and I'd get sub 10 average. Yeah, what did you need? Like 10.5 to get sub 10? Uh, something like that, yeah. Yeah. I need, and um, 
It's in the competitor waiting area. I was like shaking. I was talking to people really so borderline hyperventilating, super nervous. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't emulate how how bad that was. Yeah. But just for some reason when I sat down and uh I don't know, like looked at my judge. My judge was AJ Nichols, by the way. Oh yeah, shout out AJ. <laughs> shout out AJ. Um I don't know. I just sat down. Everything just clicked, and I got my best counting time on the last solve, nine point two. Yeah, got the, got the average, and I let out a big scream, and a lot of people got extras. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I I had a similar experience when I got my seven twenty seven and our average. Like I got my I got my first solve. I got a six. It wasn't quite PR, and then I got a six point five. So I'm like freaking out. I'm like, what? I've got a counting six. What's going on? I got PR single as well. Then I get like a seven point six. So at this point, I've been like pushing and pushing for that sub eight average, which I just haven't managed to get. And then and then I'm really nervous after that. I'm like shaking really bad. Um, talking to people. I go up and get like a ten plus two or something. And my last solve, I go sit down, and uh, I sat down next to James Malloy, uh, and he's like, oh, how you doing? I'm like, I don't want to talk about it, I want to talk about Fortnite. Because <laughs> at that time, we're like, playing Fortnite quite a bit. And then, I'm still kind of nervous, I go up to my last solve, I sit down, and I just boss out a 7.2. Like, no shakes whatsoever, just flawless turning. Still don't know how I did it. <laughs> Just click. It's a it's it's a, it's a euphoric feeling. Like yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> Congratulations, nice. everyone. Cheers. I, I I told you like when you first got the average, but like sick average. <laughs> yeah. Like, stuff like that is so rare, especially like once you're sub ten, once you're sub nine, like I you know, don't drop I, your PR. That large, yeah, one point one. I dropped my PR by. It's ridiculous. And you, you, <laughs> I got and, I got one point <laughs> And then I dropped my single by 1.5 as well. <laughs> you must uh, have had quite a big drop when you got uh, WR single, right? That must have been near a second. Uh, it was... I think uh, I was... 0. 0.7, about. Yeah, 5.37 you had. I mean, I think I had a larger drop because my first sub 7 was a was a 5. Oh, jeez. So, something like that. Yeah, you went seven oh oh to five ninety two. One oh eight, pretty good. Yeah, uh, that was like a really similar situation where I'd just been chasing sub seven and sub eight average, and for some reason, for those five solves, I just just did it. <laughs> yeah, there's a UK cuber Daniel Tidsey who recently um. He got a he got a seven three by three single in twenty eighteen and he didn't get a single seven in twenty nineteen. And then he competed a couple of months back and got his first seven of like for like a year and a half and then got a sub eight average in the same average. What? <laughs> so his PR average was like seven point eight and his single was like seven point four. Uh. <laughs> ridiculous he's got he's got six now but yeah he's he's really good at competing so who's this daniel tidsey he uh mains blind events now okay okay yeah hopefully hopefully he doesn't quit on us 
<laughs> yeah, he's still only like 15, so he's got a oh, good, yeah. good 10 years in him. Uh, I, I was just saying, uh, like in terms of like when people get into blind and get really good at blind, they 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 tend to quit. Cubing. Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, really interesting. Um, I think I think like maybe like Jack Kai and and Jake Clausen are like two of the people who I've seen who are like have no signs of quitting, but just like. Yeah. There have been some really big names like Max Hilliard and like Ishan Agrawal. Like these people just don't practice anymore. It's just like yeah, they really suck. like it, it seems it seems like wasted potential. But then when you talk to these people, they're just completely content with what they've done and decided to stop. Yeah, because it's I mean you've got to be really dedicated with blind as well. Like there's yeah. a lot of learning stuff, and I I feel like it's very yeah. easy just to like not want to do it anymore it's a lot yeah it's a lot of work yeah yeah and you know you could get screwed over with like scrambles and yeah situations where people are being loud and like you can't control there's stuff so many things you can't control in blind that Definitely. just make it like really like uh, detrimental to your like your mental health sometimes yeah at, at least i would think um do you ever see yourself quitting like that in like such a way i don't know like but so i i i I was homeschooled for ages until recently so when i first started cubing it was like all i did so between like mid 2014 late 2015 i like was cubing at probably five hours a day at least and and then i think i um later my other irl friends got like playstations so i got one as well and that yeah that i definitely spent most of my time after that on my playstation instead of cubing so i i still competed between like in like 2016 2017 uh but i wasn't really quite as serious until maybe yeah early 2018 or i yeah i went to new zealand nationals late 2017 and I, I had a great time there. I definitely and that, that definitely got me back into it. I think I finished OLL or something apart from the dots, screwed dot cases. <laughs> and then I didn't have another competition for a few months, and I decided I was going to use that time and get sub ten. And I got a sub ten average at that competition, and yeah, it just got me straight back into three by three. I just practiced loads from there. <laughs> that's, that's a great story i um yeah i feel like a lot of people we have like they have those those sort of breaks and it yeah. takes a definitely certain person to, to get back into it and to definitely get back into it with like more seriousness than they did when they first started yeah because when i yeah when i was in my first uh, couple of years i was like maining the kiddie events like two by two skewed pyramids do you still do them no but it's quite funny because my practice i did in 2015 2016 still holds up today like our podium in two by two pyramids and skew at great competitions <laughs> even though i haven't practiced for like four years <laughs> that's uh that's pretty i think that's pretty similar to uh to bill wang and two by two because yeah when he started giving he was uh, like two by two was like the well wasn't all he did he was more of a blinder back in the day when he started cubing but he was yeah. really good at 
and now he never practices, but he still gets like decent results in competition. Yeah, um, D- Doncaster Open, my last competition. Uh, I I did two by two finals. I kind of messed up up the last solve. I could have got like a PR average, and then it was straight into three by three finals. So I, obviously I was focused on that. I did warm up and then competed, and then I was pretty happy with my finals results. I got like seven point six or something, and I was chatting with friends, and then awards happened, and I was waiting for my my turn for three by three because I got second. And then two by two is announced, and I got a third, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> because I just don't expect myself to, to yeah, like podium and anything that isn't three by three at the moment. I mean, I don't know. I've never really. The only event that I've competed in that's very scramble head dependent is square one. Yeah. I just like that must be really interesting to just never really know what your position is like because like you could easily mess up a scramble and that there you go there's your whole average and yeah that that's like because i mained pyraminx in 2015 that's like the main reason i stopped doing pyraminx it's just like (laughs) it's so frustrating you just practice loads for competition and then both rounds or whatever is just trash scrambles there's nothing you can do about it you have to be like good like warmed up and like in the zone and get lucky and yeah. execute well. So it's like it's one of those things. I think uh, like Stanley Chapel made that argument as to why clock is actually the most difficult event to to compete at the highest level. Yeah, because it's like every pin can be a different type of sensitivity, and well, then you're nervous, and then I, scramble dependent. Like I'd, I'd say that I'd say the same for free blind. Like one turning error. For free blind, can right. mess it up. Super scramble dependent. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, three blind, like every turn is the same. You know, like that's true. Yeah. I mean, you have that set up well, and if you're at the highest level, you do. So. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think definitely events like that are um, that take a lot of practice, and sometimes that practice not paying off. Like those, yeah. those are top. It's not to say that stuff like you know vanilla events like three by three and like one handed aren't but aren't as hard but they, there's definitely less of an argument there. Like people always talk about two by two being a, the the most scramble based event, but our George Scully he got NR average on some like completely average scrambles recently. But yeah. I would definitely argue that it's either clock or free blind that are the most scramble dependent. Yeah, I think that argument for two by two has definitely died down with the years. Just yeah. People are really better good. augs, better finger tricks. Like, um, there's this cuber in the northeast. He got third at, at worlds, actually. Zane Kanani. Oh yeah. Um, the two by two final scrambles were completely average, and this was verified by you know Rami. Who's yeah. My, not just my friend, but like a really good two by two solver. Uh, many world records it's completely average and he pulls off a 1.22 average yeah but um there was a there was a irish online competition a week or so back which i was helping to co-host with uh, a a friend from scotland and he was in two by two finals 
and we're doing like the whole head head thing or whatever. And everybody else is getting like 1.5, 1.6. I think best second place average was 159. And then he just bossed out like a 1.2, 1.3 average or something. It was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Two is one of those like crazy events where, you yeah. know, I think it's pretty just like, at least for me, it's just first nature, first nature to kind of like just downplay it and say that it's a bad event. Which I do say, 2 by 2 is a bad event, but, you know, there's definitely people that are, like, talented and deserve credit. Yeah. Uh, I have been tempted to get into it, because I do like the whole idea of one-looking solves and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah it, does, it, does seem, it does seem appealing, but then the algs yeah, also don't seem appealing. Yeah, it's 7.303 average as well, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's... I guess that's my main goal right now. We're just... Beat my NR <laughs> and make sure. Does the UK have seven average? No, it's still seven twenty-seven. Right, so, so you're an NR holder. Yeah. Nice. Still nice. never lost a well, lost a national record. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah. Is that the only one, or do you have a? Lot? And I have five point oh oh single. Oh, all right. All right. So yeah, I haven't lost either of those. Wow, we've been we've been rambling on for forty six minutes. Oh. Right, is there any anything <laughs> anything you wanna uh, bring up before I wrap this up? Um, oh, not really. Just like normal normal thing, I think. Yeah. So you know, everything we talked about is just a lot about cubing being one of those things where you you really need that community, like yeah. making those connections with with people around the world. Yeah. benefits you tremendously not just in the in the hobby but just like overall your life like your, your outlook you get to visit these crazy places and yeah it's I've, great i've visited so many Pick countries i never thought i would have gone to definitely if you're if you're listening to this if you're not a cuber just pick up a cube if you're a cuber get get other people to start cubing like, <laughs> yeah it's a great <laughs> thing to do in in quarantine uh, and you know this keeping at home sign up for that <laughs> yeah lots of online competitions yeah. popping up yeah I check the wca website i probably won't get this podcast out in time for you to register for the ones this weekend but next weekend yeah. register for those i'm sure there's plenty yeah. and uh with a, a bit of of uh shameless plugging but <laughs> it would really mean a lot to me if you could check out the Cubicle Academy uh, page on thecubicle.com. It's at the bottom of the webs of the webs of the homepage. Um, you can choose between six very qualified, very helpful people, including myself. Um, all the rates and uh, any questions that might want to be asked can be found on that page, as well as all contact info for the uh, the coaches. So yeah, this is a new new project that debuted this week, and it would yeah. be it would be great if you guys could you know help expand that. Yeah, it definitely looks good. Also, don't forget to use code Mills to get five percent off on the cubicle.com. And I also yeah, Jason Alonso, I need you to check your emails, check your spam, whatnot, and just let me know you got it, so I don't need to keep chasing you up. But yeah, uh, thanks, Patrick, for coming on the podcast. It's been great talking with you. Thank you so much for having me, man. I hope you, right. hope you have 
great episodes to follow. Yeah, right. That's it. See you guys.